informative. You learn what your body is capable of. I've definitely learned that. Like, I remember I was pushing like a 26 mile day, like my first 26 miler. And I was just absolutely wrecked after that. Um, so I learned like, you know, physical limits and like, you know, mental fortitude and like trying to keep yourself sane on trail, you know, you got to talk. Otherwise, you know, you kind of go crazy with this like internal dialogue, at least, at least in my experience. I can always start again. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, and this is the podcast where I talk to experienced through hikers about their adventures on the trail and strategies for successfully completing a through hike. Today's guest is Head Trauma, known off trail as Caesar Sangalang. He fell into through hiking quite by accident. In New Zealand on a work visa, he was lured onto the Te Araroa. Okay, maybe it was more of a that sounds cool, let's do it kind of thing, but Either way, in this episode, we deep dive into the TA, with a few detours for pontoon party boats, five-hour roadwalks, and tea-baked toilet paper. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Head Trauma. Hey, how's it going? It's good. I had, I, there's sort of like looking at, at your, your history with through hiking, there's sort of almost two questions that are just begging to be asked here. Okay. One of them is your trail name, or what I'm assuming is your trail name here, <laughs> yeah. which is Head Trauma. Yeah. Yeah. And the second one is you're basically, you started right off the bat with the TA. Correct. Yeah. Which is which is not obviously necessarily the first place that people start from the states. So no. <laughs> so I'm fascinated by both of those topics. Is there any preference? Okay. <laughs> uh, over which one to start with, or yes. yes, um, not really, just whichever. Okay, then let's start with head trauma. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. There's really no like big elaborate story, unfortunately. Um, how it happened was was that during my woofer class that I had taken, like before I went and did trail work in Colorado, I essentially got typecasted as the head trauma patient, um, just because I'm really good at being like obnoxious and fighting people, and you know, just making everyone's you know job a little bit harder because you know you gotta you gotta be accurate when you're when you're you know when you got head injuries that's true you got to prepare them for the real thing exactly yeah so i'm like spitting you know chewed up uh chewed up oatmeal uh apple cinnamon i absolutely hate apple cinnamon oatmeal now nowadays um (laughs) um just you know being fighty and um just kind of like being a little bit drunk but obviously not drunk Mm -hmm. um because i don't know what i'm doing 
And apparently I was really good at it. And pretty much every time we had a scenario, I was always the head trauma patient. So everyone's like, dude, that should just be your trail name, head trauma. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go with it. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's how I ended up with the trail name. Um, so, and it carried through with when I was doing trail work in Colorado, they kind of was like, dude, your, your crew leader's name is trail name's head trauma. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, we don't really know what to make of that, but cool. Cool. Probably <laughs> makes a cool story. <laughs> Yeah, people are either extremely intrigued probably by it or they're completely freaked out and be like, oh, you don't want to mess with him. He's head trauma. Don't, yeah, don't go there. Yeah, there's something wrong with him. Yeah. <laughs> I like to, you know, like uh, like to mess with folks and kind of like make them, uh, you know, make their come to their own conclusion. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you certainly were I'm a nice cast, guy. I'm a nice so. guy. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Did you use that trail name down on the TA at all? No, I didn't have any trail names um, when I hiked TA. Since I, I was down there already on working holiday visa, I had, and kind of fairly new to through hiking just in general. So the idea of trail names was a complete foreign idea to me. Since coming back, I figured, I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, that's part of trail culture, you know, having a trail name, but it has to be given to you. You can't just give it to yourself. Right. I mean, I know some folks who have done it, but, you know, typically it's given to you. And it also seems to be a trail cultural thing for the States, not necessarily for, for New Zealand. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So what were you, so yeah. you were down in New Zealand on a work visa. Mm -hmm. What were you doing down there? I was pretty much a dirtbag backpacker, um, working at hostels, working you know, doing agri agricultural work. Because usually if you do, I think, three months worth of agricultural work, you can apply for like a second year or something like that. I forget how it works out nowadays. And kind of just bouncing around. So I did a whole bunch of like weird different jobs. Like I was a uh, a kitchen aide. I was a dishy, uh, dishwasher. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> yeah. They've got all, uh, all sorts of like nicknames, but you know, like, um, if you're an a electrician down in New Zealand or Australia, you're you're technically a Sparky. Yeah, it's just just really cool, like subculture. So, so you moving onto the trail was sort of an evolution. It wasn't necessarily what you started down there for, but it was an evolution from kind of what you were almost already doing. Yeah, in a way. So, like you know, coming from the Bay Area, we have a lot of hikes around the area. Um, so, you know, I wasn't hiking wasn't anything new to me. And then, oddly enough. Like when my visa for New Zealand was going, you know, coming to a close, uh, my friend had mentioned like, he's like, hey, so have you heard of this new trail that New Zealand, you know, kind of established over the past few years? I was like, no, what is it? He's like, oh, it spans the north and the south island. I was like, fuck, that sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> where, where can we do this? You know, like, where do we start? They're like, oh, it starts up in Cape Ranga and then ends in Wellington and then starts in the Charlotte track on the South Island and then ends in Invercargill in the South Island. I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds really cool. And I already had like came to New Zealand with a backpack, a sleeping bag and like an REI tent that I got, you know, cause I decided I was like, yeah, I want to do some camping out there cause it's New Zealand. Why not? Um, so I had the basics, I had the big three. And so everything else kind of was just like, you know, I can get a pot. Cool. I can, I have, you know, hiking shoes. 
already so it's like let's just fucking do this yeah. so in a way you know ta was kind of like an afterthought like i did pretty much minimal prep like we definitely had like a plb um we bought maps even though you know you don't really have to because um the ta organization provides it for free but always always donate always donate because right. that shit is not cheap yeah yeah and i'm assuming that they also are the ones responsible responsible for for maintaining the trail as well correct i believe so yes so part of uh that deals with new zealand's uh, department of conservation doc as they call it uh so i know sometimes that they'll reach out and you know like how the nonprofits here will reach out to other nonprofits and be like hey you guys want to sucker in some folks and do some trail work for the summer (laughs) (laughs) that's uh i think that's how they do it down there so did you do it sort of after your work visa or as your work visa was coming to a close type of thing? So as my work visa was coming to a close, pretty much. um, I think what I ended up doing is asking for an extension um, because something in my, um, something that I had worked out with, I was like, oh, I can get an extra like month and a half if I apply for this, you know, for an appeal pretty much. And so I, I, uh, <laughs> took advantage of that. And so I got an extra month out of, um, when my visa pretty much was expiring. Was that why you split the it? The entire over? hike itself. Go ahead. I was gonna say, is that why you split it over two seasons? Yes. Partially cause, um, I ran out of money on the North Island. <laughs> and then when, when, um, I pretty much left New Zealand um, at pretty much at the same time that when my visa was expiring, I went over to Australia, worked there for a few years, uh, worked there for a year, sorry, and then pretty much came back and finished the South Island. Were you doing the same type of thing in, in Australia that you had been doing in New Zealand? Yep, working holiday. So I started pretty much in the Northern Territory in February and that's hot, like really, really hot. We're talking like 104 degrees. 80, 80% humidity and just, it's like that pretty much all day. <laughs> oh, sounds like fun. Oh yeah. It was great. I actually had a blast up in, um, up there. Yeah. Everything is trying to kill you up in the Northern <laughs> Territory. I, I've heard that actually. Unlike New Zealand where almost nothing is trying to kill you. Nope. You just, I mean, you got to watch out for people, but you know, literally there's nothing you have to worry about. That that was pretty cool. Complete 180 from Australia, though. I mean, yeah. even in uh, um, Australia, like there's there's like a bacteria in the soil that comes out when um, when they call the wet season comes around. And if you have some sort of like cuts or you know open wound, pretty much they advise you not to walk around barefoot up there because technically that bacteria can kill you. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Spiders, oh, yeah. bugs, snakes, bacteria. <laughs> everything wow yeah where were you on the island when you said okay i'm gonna go do the ta i'm gonna get my stuff together and i'm gonna go do the ta i was in christchurch so you were uh, on the south, south island, island. Okay. um mm-hmm. yep and I, little did i know it was just like when we would just go for out for like day hikes i would see signs for it and say like this is a section of you know tarroa and i was like oh that's cool i guess that's a, a hike, I guess, or, or like a loop. <laughs> Little did I know then it was just like, no, it's that's a through hike, yo. That's like a section of, you know, of Canterbury that goes through there. And I was like, oh, cool. All right. 
yeah. I was working at a, I was working at a glass factory then when I first heard about it. That's right. Cause uh, the other guys that I was working with, they were also really like ab- just avid outdoors people. And they're like, yeah, have you heard of this? And like, no. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much how I, you know, came upon the like kind of word of mouth. So, well, it seems like the universe was kind of putting it in your way a little bit. Giving you a nudges. little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I was kind of like blind to it all because, you know, that's just kind of how I am. Like, <laughs> la, da, 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 da. oh, look, a trail. I'm going to go down this way. <laughs> Where does this go? How does heaps figure into you doing the TA or your, t- your time on the TA? Sorry, could you repeat one more time? How does heaps figure into... Oh, heaps. Yeah, heaps. <laughs> um, how does she figure into the trail? Yeah, for you. Um. You know, she was kind of like a legendary figure. Mm-hmm. Um, I had like heard of her like just through other North American uh, hikers, but I didn't actually get to meet her when, until I came back from Australia and landed in Wellington. And she's like, oh, shit, you're hiking, you know, the, the South Island this year. Let's meet up for some coffee. I was like, hey, yeah, let's meet up for some coffee. Let's do that. That sounds great. And pretty much we like met up in, uh, Oh God, I can't remember where it is where we met up, but pretty much central, like downtown Wellington. She was wearing her like office, you know, like clothing. So I didn't quite realize that I was like, this is, this is heaps. This is, you know, like this is the legendary her. heaps. <laughs> yeah. Like super humble. And I was like, whoa, you're clean. <laughs> she's like, I know. Oh, she's like, so she kind of like gave me advice of like where to go, you know, like what to see if uh, we kind of was like, oh, we're going to be uh, around like Arthur's Pass. So she kind of gave us like uh, tips and places and huts to see, you know, right off the beaten track. So that was pretty cool. Other than that, I would I, I had no idea who she was. <laughs> <laughs> what was her biggest advice for you? in doing the South Island? Cause the South Island is much less populated, obviously than the, the North Island. Mm-hmm. You know what? Actually, I think it might be the, the other way around. South Island is a little bit more populated than the, mm-hmm. the North Island. Okay. Um, in terms of her advice, pretty much she's like, watch out for, um, watch out for river crossings because what you may see at that point in time where you're at may not be the case a few hours north of you or east of you or, you know, wherever, wherever um, there may be mountains because there may be a storm. It may be raining. Um, and for all you know, that flash flood could pretty much wash you away by the time you finish crossing a, a river crossing. So I definitely took that into consideration, like with some of the sketchier uh, river crossings that we had to do. So thank you. Heath. Uh, yeah, exactly. Did you ever run into a scenario where there was flooding, unexpected flooding? Um, yeah, I forget what it was called. I think it was called Ahuriri River Crossing. I forget where, where exactly, but I, it was from the border from Canterbury into Otago. It was like one of the last days. Um, and so me and this German guy that I had um, picked up and kind of like became trail family, we both crossed this river pretty much that was chest deep. So we pretty much were like, are we willing to do this? Are we willing to wait this out? 
and it was like it was a perfectly clear day we checked the you know the weather there was no storms in sight so we're like okay i guess this is just how the river is you know it's it's just chest deep so we um we since there was only two of us we pretty much like had our packs above our head the entire time like looking upstream walking you know trying to like keep your footing as much as you can but like (laughs) i personally kind of got swept away a little bit but like thank god not much i managed to kind of like catch a little bit of a drift where kind of i could use my momentum that i was already you know had when i was floating Mm -hmm. away and pretty much came to the the bank um (laughs) so yeah that was my closest that was like the closest encounter that i had with like potentially getting washed away. I, I bet you uh, yeah. <laughs> had a little adrenaline rush there. Yeah. And a little bit of brown in my pants then afterwards <laughs> as well. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Leave no trace y'all. Leave no trace. <laughs> <laughs> nice little plug there. Yeah. When you started it, had you done any type of through hiking before? Actually, that was my first, first introduction to long distance hiking. I mean, I've done sections of our Bay Bay Area Ridge Trail here in California, but not like anything huge like that. So like, I think TA is about what, 1800 something miles. Um, I know it's 3000 kilometers, but yeah, that was pretty much my first introduction into like pain and to what patience is like on through hiking. Um, and like the mental fortitude that you build up on trail, like that was all pretty much learned in, in the fire. How were those first couple days on 90 mile beach? <laughs> oh God. The beach that never ends. Oh yeah. Um, fucking miserable. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. So initially we had overprepared. And there was at least seven of us when we started. So we started out with like a proper like family. And then after maybe like day two on the beach, you know, like you have blisters, your feet hurt, your pack's really heavy because you've packed your fears and you thought you were prepared. Pretty much, I think two of my friends bailed right after 90 Mile Beach, right after you get into... Uh, Ahipara, which is like the small beach town after 90 Mile Beach. They bailed after that. Um, and I don't blame them because the next two or three days was pretty much like suffer fest because those northern forests are just mud. <laughs> there's just mud and water and there's like nothing keeping you dry because it's raining um, 50% of the time. And you kind of like develop a little bit of PTSD because you you know, you stick your hiking pole into the, into a puddle and it's like, oh, okay, cool. And then you take his next step and you're like, next thing you know, you're like thigh deep in, in mud. So you're pretty much post pulling in mud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the big debate now with three yeah. acres, is it better to post hole in snow or mud? Yeah. <laughs> Which is worse. I've yet to find out. Um, so yeah, I've, um, I'm going to find out what that's like in Colorado this year since I am hiking the CDT. Oh, very exciting. So that's your, that's your follow-up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When, when you guys, you know, did the, the 90 mile beach and, 
you said you, you were overpacked and you packed your fears. What were your mm-hmm. fears at that point? Um, mostly food. I tend to overpack food because that's just one of my fears is like, oh, I'm going to run out of food or I'm going to go hungry. So let's pack like six days worth of food. And mind you, that, that section is only like two, three days long. Um, I think four actually. Yeah. So I packed two extra days because I was like, what if we get stranded <laughs> and we don't, we run out of water, you know? So I think at that time, my bag was at least like 35 pounds worth of just like everything gear and food and water. Okay. It was absurd. It was like really heavy and painful. What was your bag at that point? It was a Gregory, Gregory pack. It was like a 58 liter pack for sure. So yeah, I filled that sucker up. (laughs) (laughs) It was almost like looming over your head. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. How you would see folks on the AT, you know, mm-hmm. as they potentially get shaken down as they proceed along the trail, you know, like that. I was that guy. <laughs> so what what was the first things that you first, I guess, first things, first fears that you were able to put aside? Food, pretty okay. much. I realized it's like, oh, yeah, it's OK if you go hungry. You're not going to die. You should probably, you know, pack a little bit more water. But food wise, yeah, you're fine. Like you could bail off at any point in time and head into town and pretty much get food there. You might pay a little bit more, but you're, you're not that far from food. So after learning that like, Oh yeah, I don't have to, you know, pack like five days worth of food for a two day section. I realized it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. I can leave stuff behind. I'm a lot, a little, a little bit more confident in this. So, so the TA is close enough to, towns that you can kind of bail off easily or is it really just okay yeah um so i when i kind of like after we finished trail like went back and looked at all the the maps that we had and was like yeah you're probably at least like a good hour hour and a half hitch from like a town it's not far so like being able to like bail from trail get into town resupply and hop back on trail is it's really easy so it doesn't take too much planning on the north island mind you on Mm -hmm. the north island to um to get food south island does it take a little bit more logistics just because um the more that you get into the south like in the, the the ranges it pretty much splits that island in half so you do have to pack some food but the longest that i've ever packed was probably maybe five days on the Richmond Alpine track. And even then, like I still had food at, uh, left over from when he finished and got into St. Arnaud. So you were fine. <laughs> yeah, I was completely fine. Was fine. So, <laughs> like, complete, yeah, just like totally irrational thing. But you know, it's your first through hike. You got to learn somehow. Yeah. What was, what was your go-to foods while you were out there? Go-to foods. It was, kind of a mix between couscous and uh, their backcountry dehydrated meals or freeze-dried meals, excuse me. So it was a kind of a mix of the two and then what they call scroggin or gorp here in the U.S. Oh, okay. Um, that was, scroggin? yeah, that was kind of like my scroggin. Yeah. 
<laughs> the kiwi version of trail mix okay you didn't get sick of yeah. trail mix while you were out there no <laughs> i'm actually pretty good about eating like just monotonous bland food and then just gorging myself when i get into town so basically like every other through hiker <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah you kind of like uh pack what you need to get between sections and then just you know yeah treat, treat yourself mm-hmm did you have a, I'm trying to remember if you said that you had a tent with you? I did, yeah. Okay, so you were ready for that. But there's a lot of um, shelters on the trail, right? From what I remember, not so many. Um, or at least on the North Island, there weren't too many. Uh, definitely on the South Island, for sure. But, you know, word to the wise, if you're hiking during peak season for like Tiaroa, I would definitely bring that shelter um, they say don't pack your fears, but I would think, yes, this would be a safe, conservative decision because huts get filled up super quick, regardless or not, if you have to reserve them or not. They will fill up so quickly. And then, like, if you don't have a tent, you know, and the hut's full, like, you're kind of screwed. Like, and the weather in New Zealand just flips on a dime, you know? Yeah, I've heard that. It could be sunny and hot one day and then, like, freezing rain in the next hour. So, yeah, bring a tent, if not a tarp. <laughs> bring something. Yeah, something, yeah. Don't be that guy. <laughs> I just completely lost my train of thought. Oh, my God. I'm having a a, a brain freeze here. Um, oh. So we said tents. I brought a tent. Yeah, you brought a tent. Um, there's huts along. The way... Did you, uh, oh, that was what it was. What is the the high season for the TA? Uh, so is that one in November? So I would say probably the tail end of October into November is kind of like when everybody starts filtering in, starts coming in. Because um, I started super early when I started the South Island. I started probably like the last, you know what? No, I lied. I think I started. Oh, no, I did start in October-ish. Um, oh God, it's been such a long time. <laughs> yeah, um, it's definitely like during their like their wet season, like when the se- the wet season was just ending, is when I like got in and started. Okay. So probably two months after October, so October, November, so, so December-ish. November, December-ish. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have much problems getting spaces in the shelters? No, surprisingly not. <laughs> Since I started super early, like I was ahead of that bubble. So pretty much all of the um all of the Charlotte Queen Charlotte track, I was pretty much on my own. The Richmond Alpine Trail, which is I think like 5 or 6 days, and there's like a good maybe 15 something odd huts that you can go to. Each of those I pretty much had on my own. Like it was cold because these huts can be super big. And when you're, you know, one person on your own, it's almost impossible to fill that entire thing up with heat. But people are good. They leave um, wood behind. Um, that's um, like dock. Our rangers will come through and like leave wood. Yeah. So pretty much had a wood fire stove all to myself. Nice. <laughs> almost the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty nice. I know some of the some of the pictures that you posted. It looks like a little 
cabin. I guess it is called a hut as opposed to like a shelter, but it just, it felt like mm-hmm. a little cabin, you know, that, that somebody yeah, they're lives very in much almost. Cabins. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them will actually have hosts. I played ca- um, like a hut warden uh, after I finished trail just to kind of like volunteer my time, you know, for like doc and, you know, giving advice for other TA hikers. That was pretty cool. Say that again. You'd played hut warden. Uh, yeah. So some of that kind of like, um, so like a, uh, pretty much someone who like looks after the hut, cleans like the toilet, restocks the wood, you know, cleans around the place. And then you pretty much can live there. I think, uh, for a week, they'll have you bounce from like hut to hut and like cleaning things, um, and giving, you know, inform- informative talks, but yeah. That actually sounds like a lot of fun. It was pretty fun. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, God. I remember there was a time when I was a hut warden in um, Nelson Lakes. And it's uh, there's a hut along TA that pretty much bypasses next to this, like, clear, pristine lake that's uh, what the Maori consider a, um, a sacred site. So swimming is definitely banned. You know, washing your stuff is definitely banned. Even sticking like cameras in the water just to see how clear it is, is banned. Like, just don't do it. Like, respect respect the other uh, space. So uh, I was a hut warden there. And I remember one night we had this uh, this one hiker. It was like a stormy night. It was dark and stormy night. And um, <laughs> All good horror movies start this way. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much get lost on, uh, I think it's uh, YL Pass. She got turned around just because she she couldn't see where she was going because like the weather was coming in and like I guess the fog was really bad. So she ended up going up and down like one side of the mountain thinking she was on the other side. And I guess she just kept like turning back and forth and her hiker friend like arrived at the hut saying like, oh, you know, my friend should be here within like the next hour. She's behind me. Two hours pass. She's still not here. And then another hour passes. She's not here still. And like her friend's starting to freak out. And I'm like, fuck, I have to be in like damage control mode. So like my mom (laughs) comes out of me. She's like, I'm like heating up water, like giving it to her. I'm like, you know, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, I'm, and I'm um, going to like get somebody on the radio so we can get some help and somebody out here. Thank goodness. Some random group of like uh, Kiwi hikers, one of which what happens to be um, a search and rescue officer. Nice. Um, and so I'm just like, you're with Wanganui SAR. Um, he's like, yeah, you know, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm the hut warden, blah, blah, blah. I'm the person in charge here. So we pretty much like, Bounce, bounce like ideas off each other. Like, okay, so here's the number to the um, the main guy here who overlooks this national park. Um, he had a satellite phone with him. Like, thank God Kiwis are like super extra prepared like that. So I send him, the SAR guy, and like three other volunteers who were just like, yeah, let's go find this person. And so they go, they find her, and she pretty much is kind of like, yeah, I pretty much got turned around on this um, on this um, pass because the weather was really bad. She had mild hypothermia, so we got her, you know, heated up super quickly. We got her some hot drink, some sugar, and she was fine the next day. And and off she so, yeah. went to the next uh, for the next hut. <laughs> yeah, off she went to the next one. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that was an interesting. It's almost sort of like hut mom, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. 
this hut warden thing, as you can tell, is very intriguing to me. It sounds actually really fun. Mm-hmm. But basically, so the the warden, it, you can just hop between or or jump between the different huts up and down the system, and you're just coordinating with uh, Doc, essentially. Yeah. So um, how it works with Doc is that um, well, first you have to sign up for it. Yeah. Um, then they do a little bit of a background check just to make sure you're, you're you know, you're sound. Um, and then they assign you like a, a loop. So pretty much, yeah, you start with one, then the next day you hike into the next hut, you stay there for a night. And then the next day you'll, you'll stay maybe like three or four days at a time at this hut and then uh, move on to the next one. Yeah. That's pretty much how it works. So it's kind of like a scheduled, yeah, there's a schedule right. to it. Yeah, they've basically yeah. got you scheduled because you're you're helping them maintain the huts, basically. But mm-hmm. yep, and that was all just part of your uh, travel or visitor visa. Yeah, yeah. So you don't nice. need a working visa. Um, yeah, once you're on like visitor visa, um, which I was for the South Island. Yeah, you don't need any. Well, I'm pretty sure it's changed now, but when I did it, it I was able to do it on a visitor visa. Nice. Yeah, because it's technically not work. Yeah, you're not getting paid for it. Right. You're just helping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The help. <laughs> the helper. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of help, I guess, you have a great post on Instagram about this bathroom in New Zealand. And, and I also had an experience with a with a beautiful bathroom in New Zealand that just makes me laugh. And this is a bathroom that had jazz. Or that was playing jazz. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I forgot about that. I love those bathrooms. They're so cool, aren't they? And they're so clean. They're yes. so clean every time you go into one. Um, oh, my God. I forgot about that. And it's just a <laughs> random bathroom, too. It's like a public bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I wish the amenities here were that nice in the States <laughs> as they are in, like, <laughs> in like New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, man. So, so um, but yeah, that was in the North jazz. Island. Okay. Yeah, it had jazz. It was playing. Why do birds? <laughs> na, 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 na. It was that song, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also, yeah, I'm also very good at doing um, karaoke too. So if you, you know, like hear me singing out on trail, like out loud, off key, like feel free to like throw something at me to like tell me to shut up, like. <laughs> Was this bathroom on the trail or was it just while you were visiting in general? It was, I think it was on trail because we stayed at one of the taverns there in like their yard and right around the corner was one of the bathrooms. So, and it was in one of those towns where, um, gang activity is AKA mongrel mob. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of gang activity is pretty active over there. Um, we were never in any danger whatsoever, but they were just like, yeah, I remember seeing a sign going into the pub there saying you have to take your cuts off, um, no gang affiliations or, a, you know, apparel when you're inside the pub. I was like, oh, shit. Damn. Okay, what are cuts? Is that like knives? Uh, so cuts are, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what they call them, but here in the U.S., I think cuts are called um, like those leather vests oh, that uh, bikers typically wear. Yeah. The gang colors type of thing. Yeah. I, I'm sure. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know too much about it, but yeah. Copy that. Okay. The, the lake that you were talking about before, is that the Blue Lake? Yes. Blue Lake. Okay. 
Yeah, I saw a picture of that. It was so pristine. It sort of reminded me of a picture that I've seen of the North Cascades on the PCT. It's just so clear in the water. I can't wait to hike the PCT. Oh, my God. (laughs) So that begs the question, why are you starting with the CDT? Why? Yeah. Because I don't like the permit idea on the PCT. <laughs> like I was thinking about it. I was like, ah, maybe I should sign up, but you know, like I don't know if I want to do it. Plus I like the idea of of how hard the CVT is. Everyone that I've talked to, like my friend Giggles and um Peanut, like I've talked to them and asked them like how difficult this is. They're like, it's one of those trails where you you absolutely hate it, but then you learn to love it. And that's how it was like with TA. Like it was super technically difficult, though it is rather easy to follow because TA does have orange triangle markers. So you pretty much can just follow your nose. But in terms of like how difficult it is, the terrain, the weather, everything is just so hard, like on you mentally that I just kind of love that kind of challenge. So that's why CBT was kind of the first choice. Because it's kind of like a culmination of everything that you learn on the AT, everything that you have, you know, picked up on the PCT or, or you know, whichever you start with. And it's just like, it, it is the crown jewel. And I'm just like, I want that jewel. I want to go for that first. Like, <laughs> I love the idea. It's so, so funny yeah, we'll that, you, that you describe it as, you know, the everything that you've learned on the AT and everything that you've learned on the PCT, which you haven't done yet. Um, so you're nope. going to pick all those skills up on the CDT and then uh, use them again. Yeah. And so I've had some, um, some experience with like navigation, but never with like route finding. And I don't think there's too much of that on the CDT. I mean, there's definitely going to be some like navigation issues, especially in the Bob. Um, Mm -hmm. I heard that it can be pretty tricky over there. So having a mapping compass is like, it's just, it just comes natural to, you know, carry that with you. Right. You haven't picked Peanut's brain? About how difficult and like what he's gone through? Well, what he's gone through, but but what are the challenges potentially or navigationally or otherwise that you're going to face? No, I haven't yet. So that's a, that's a conversation I'm building up to. <laughs> you're building <laughs> Cause up try, to? I'm, yeah, because I'm trying to figure it out on my own first as well. You know, it's like... Okay, so maybe this idea will work. Let's bounce this off somebody who's done it and like get their input from that. Got it. Okay. So going back to the TA, uh, what were your shoes out there? So when we started the North Island, I started out with these lower boots. Big mistake. <laughs> <laughs> they were like these big clunky boots, and you know when you're walking on sand, you, you're you know, fully gated out. You don't want water getting in. You don't want sand getting in. Like I ended up just getting blisters on my heels, my Achilles tendon, like my the balls of my feet were just like torn up. <laughs> and so I ditched those. Yeah. I ditched those quick. Did you have to take any time off because your feet were so torn up? No, I didn't actually, which is pretty dumb. <laughs> I just, I just liquidate the shit out of my feet, <laughs> quite honestly, and then just kept going in boots until I got to like an actual town where I could like, you know, get shoes, like proper like trail trail running shoes. And what did you end up with? I ended up buying a pair of five fingers, like those Vibram five fingers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I saw I saw those <laughs> I didn't pictures. Make the I, was... decision. <laughs> I saw those pictures and oh I'm like Oh my god. I wasn't sure if that was what you were using for your trail shoes or not. And they seem to be a very at least at the time you took the picture, a ventilated pair of five finger shoes. <laughs> yes. They definitely were. Um and they were a godsend. Like <laughs> they helped out so much and that, that's how I got into like hiking in sandals like later on in the um next year pretty much when you did the south island or mm-hmm. yeah okay. so i did some small sections and, and like just sandals so you get into town and you need to replace your boots and mm-hmm. you say five fingers sounds like the perfect choice <laughs> yeah because I was like, ooh, those look comfy. Those look practical. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's let's just do it. Yeah. So, yeah, I uh, threw down some money and got some five fingers and then pretty much just like hiked the rest of the North Island in those. I'm assuming that they work because you continued to wear them. But uh, mm-hmm. I have to admit, you are the first person I've heard from who has used the five finger, the vibrant five finger <laughs> shoes to through hike. So, uh, so how did they work? How were they with the mud? How were they with, uh, I mean, all of it basically. Uh, yeah. They worked a dream actually, especially since it's like super muddy. You can just like walk into a stream, wash them out and then be on your way and like no problems whatsoever. Like I didn't wear socks with those socks with five fingers. Oh man. Yeah. Like they were just, they were, they were what my body needed quite honestly. Um, Cause I have naturally flat feet too. Uh-huh. So having like arches and like other orthotics like put into them in your shoes, like just, it, it just did not work with my body. Yeah. And your, and your feet didn't have to break into Cause I've heard people, not necessarily hiking, but just walking around have uh, have to kind of break into it because it it requires your feet and the muscles of your feet to do a lot more than they are used. It is used to doing. Correct. Yes. Okay. Um, thank goodness it didn't take me too long because I used to go barefoot running on the beach when I lived in San Francisco. So having that kind of like prior, you know, muscle memory that your, you know, your feet are already kind of strong. I already had that kind of going for me. So in a way, my body was already kind of like conditioned to go minimal uh, after that, after shoes. And then, I guess, as I said before, they became quite ventilated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did that cause you any problems? No. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the aside, <laughs> like, aside from, like, having so many rocks, like, having to, like, pick them out, I mean... yeah. It wasn't big, too much of a big deal to, you know, manage with. Like having wet feet all day is kind of normal because in New Zealand, that trail, you're just going to be wet the entire time. Like at least your feet's going to be wet the entire time. So I figured, you know, like, just why not go all in, you know? (laughs) Um, I didn't have any issues with feet rot um, just because, you know, whenever we took breaks i would just always just take them off and you know dry them out you know get into camp obviously you take your shoes off you slip into something other than toe shoes <laughs> uh, to dry your feet out wow <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe I, head trauma does somehow fit me. Uh, yeah, or or maybe I should be using it because I'm still trying to wrap my head around the the idea of doing that, using those shoes, and then obviously using them when when they are kind of falling apart. Actually, but I'm I'm glad that they worked for you. Me too. Did you do much slack packing while you were on the trail? Hiking the trail. Yeah, we, uh, oh God, where did we go? So on the North Island, you do have the option to slack pack. Um, oh God, what's that mountain um, where Mount Doom is? Um, not the Tararuas. It's in like central North Island. I forget what it's called. It's like one of the big, big tourist attractions. Ah, damn. I'm completely forgetting what it's called. Uh, we slack pack that for a day, um, cause that's a section of trail that you can do, um, with packs or without. So we decided to slack pack that. And then there's the option in Wanganui where you can do like a four or five day canoe trip, or you can road walk the section. I'm not sure now where the trail goes, but at the time it was very much just a road walk. And we were like, yeah, no, nah, fuck that. Let's, <laughs> let's like <laughs> party it up and rent a canoe and um, meet up with other hikers and let's get like a pontoon party boat going. So uh, nice. it was just four, four or five days of us just floating down the Wanganui river, like four or five boats deep, just boozing, eating, drinking. And then some of the campsites you are um, pretty much like on the river. So you just, you know, dock your boat, set up tents and then, you know, just, have a go and have fun we managed to time one hut that was on the river on new year's eve that was pretty cool um it was me my two other two other kiwi friends one other kiwi guy his name was gareth austin doyle g-o-d (laughs) yeah um coolest dude he was hiking for um foster kids in New Zealand. And I thought that was really, really cool. And um, thought it was pretty awesome that he decided to hang out with us. And yeah, so we got one hut all to ourselves, pretty much just boozed it up and like kept going until we reached uh, uh, Wanganui. Or I can't remember what, maybe it was Wanganui, I forget what it is, but we reached the town um, after like four days of just drinking. Yeah, that was, that was intense. And fun all at the same time. <laughs> How many people did you end up hiking with? So we started out with seven on the North Island. Right. And then by the end, by by the time that we got to like that first slack pack on the mountain, there was probably three of us. So four people bailed <laughs> and there were three, three of seven left. Um, yeah. 50% attrition, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh man, you uh, you you can see who um will stick the trail, will finish. And then when you came back and did the South Island, that was with a new group, or there were some of the same people with you. That was initially just solo. Um, okay. My friends didn't want to. I don't know. I guess they just didn't have the time um, in their schedules to you know, drop off the map for a few days and, you know, hike a, <laughs> hike a really long trail. 
Um, so that one was just mostly me on my own. And then, um, one of my, actually one of my other friends that I had met in the North Island that came back and did the Queen Charlotte track and the Richmond Alpine trail section with me. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then once we got into St. Arnaud, that's where I met the German guy that I finished uh, the South Island with. How is the TA as a solo hiker versus with a tramley? Um, it depends on your style. Like if you really like to be, you know, solitary, you'll definitely get that solitary environment. It can be social where you get into town. Um, but typically it's pretty, it's a very, pretty alone. I want to say solitudinal, but I don't even know if that's a word. Um, <laughs> it is now. You can, you can hike alone. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> it can be as much as social or alone a hike if you like what were you looking for when you went out there um i wasn't really looking for much i was just kind of going with it you know going with the flow and if i pick up a trail family cool and if not you know that's all right too i'm very much independent so (laughs) if uh if i don't pick up anybody and you know i'm not going to get so down on myself and get super lonely I, i i typically end up talking to myself on trail anyway so, um, I keep myself occupied. So like, what kind of conversations are we talking about here? I'm thinking like, oh, I wonder how far we are. Oh, you know, maybe Caesar, like I'll sometimes like refer to myself in like third person. Like, oh, Caesar, <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe let's, let's have a look at the map first before we make any decisions. Nah, I think we're going to be okay. You know, just, <laughs> just thinking ideas out loud. Um, and then just thinking like, oh, what am I going to eat tonight? What do I have in my pack? You know, just like the next thing that just like comes to mind. So you have two angels or you have the angel and the devil sitting on your shoulders and, uh, very much so like, and I'm talking to them like, and I'm pretty sure they're sick and tired of me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember what's called the Tongariro Alpine crossing. Was the river? Uh, no, that was the mountain where we backpacked. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Tongariro. Okay. Yeah. That was fun. Oh, there was so many people. What do you mean? There was just so many tourists when we went. Like <laughs> we were just, like pretty much in a conga line the entire time just like waiting to cross over. The, but they're not through hikers, they're just tourists basically. Yeah, just tourists. Yeah, it's just hiking. Yeah, cuz it's a pretty big tourist attraction. So it 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 sounds like it feels a little bit like um, you're, you know, you're, you've been alone for so long. You're, it's been very quiet, da, 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 and then all of a sudden, it's like this onslaught of noise and people. And <laughs> yep, so part of me was like, oh yeah, I get to talk to people, and then like the other half of me was just like, no, I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> Stay away from me, you know. <laughs> It was like going a little golem there. Adjustment period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to. Everybody that I talk to says that the trail is transformative. Did In you... what way? Oh, all different ways. So I guess that's my question for you. Did you find it transformative, or was it more uh, confirming of of what you already knew about yourself, or what you'd already you know kind of accomplished? Hmm. Um, it was definitely a big learning curve 
Um, so I definitely learned like what I needed, what I didn't need, what, like what to pack in, you know, in terms of like emergencies. So I'm a, I'm a lot more conservative in terms of like packing like a, a first aid kit and like picking up, you know, wilderness first aid or first responder skills. So I definitely go into like through hikes with, you know, that kind of mentality. When you say conservative first aid, what does that mean? So like, I'll definitely carry a, a pretty robust like first aid kit like not a full-blown you know like search and rescue first aid kit but like things that will have you know like leukotape or um i used to not hike with ibuprofen now i do um okay. I'll, I'll hike with like um uh, like vials of iodine you know for you know cleaning wounds and whatnot like i don't use band-aids anymore like i've learned with leukotape and toilet paper works just as fine <laughs> Okay, unpack that a little bit. Leukotape and toilet paper? Yeah, for like band-aids and like... You create your own band-aid, essentially? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, like duct tape is your best friend. Like, um, you can use it to like brace your finger if like you somehow dislocate it or, you know, um, using using tea bags as like early morning toilet paper because <laughs> it's really nice. <laughs> okay, you're going to have to unpack that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> tea bags as toilet paper <laughs> yeah so what i what i would do since tea bags you can you know you can decompose those um in pit toilets i it's not recommended all the time but you know i've done it once or twice i'm guilty of it is after i've had my morning tea and you have to go to the bathroom just save that you know that wet moist <laughs> tea bag uh. and just you know wipe what's left after the initial wipes, you know, there's a okay. nice cleanup. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is MacGyvering it. I will definitely give you that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't recommend it all the time though, just cause you know, don't throw your trash in pit toilets. Mm-hmm. That's a really shitty thing to do and don't follow after my, my uh, example. What other, what other, things did you discover MacGyver with well MacGyver with definitely but also kind of discover (laughs) in terms of transformational um I don't like hiking with underwear I find that I chafe a lot more than I uh than I do with than I without underwear so like I'm totally okay with like running short underwear I know so many folks who hate that underwear liner that comes Mm -hmm. with running shorts but I'm totally okay with that um let's see transformative you learn what your body is capable of i've definitely learned that like i remember i was pushing like a 26 mile day like my first 26 miler and i was just absolutely wrecked after that um so i learned like you know physical limits and like you know mental fortitude and like trying to keep yourself sane on trail you know you got to talk otherwise you know you kind of go crazy with this like internal dialogue, at least at least in my experience. So you make it an external dialogue? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> it all circles back to the whole head trauma thing. Yeah, yeah. You said that, you know, like your first 26 mile day just kind of wrecked you. Mm-hmm. How early in the hike was that? That was... When I hiked from Blue Lake Hut all the way to like 
Angeles Hut or something like that. So that was South Island? Yeah, that was definitely South Island. Okay. Like I was doing like small stuff. I get I just average, you know, at fifteen miles a day, like first starting out and then like once I, you know, got my skills up and was like a lot more comfortable, you know, with pushing miles. Yeah, I I think it was like a twenty six mile day or something like that. And that was like my first big like, holy shit, this is what you're capable of? What else are we capable of? <laughs> so what had you been yeah. doing on the North Island? Because, I mean, that had happened, whatever, a, a year before. Uh, Mileage-wise? Yeah. I was probably, oh, God, it was probably maybe like 15, 16 miles a day. And then, like, camping. It was, it was, it was just a weird kind of, like, environment to be in, in terms of, like, learning how to through-hike. So, yeah, just, you know, doing 15 miles a day or sometimes 20 and then just finding spots on trails or like finding a like a, a, a yard a spot in the yard behind a church, you know, and just, you know, sleeping there. Was was that but just yeah, because it was, it was pretty you average. thought that was what your body could do? Pretty much. Yeah. Like I didn't. Yeah, um, I didn't realize that, like, yeah, my body, if I push it enough, you can do big miles on, you know. And with, I think, part of the terrain, too, is, like, with the North Island, it's very, like, foresty, so your miles will slow down, you know, Um, because you're going up and down. You're going, in terms of safety, sometimes the trail will, like, have you what they call sidle, So it's like walking on the side of a mountain or like side of a hill. That's kind of like really, you know, on the face of it Um, just to get away from rivers because, you know, river safety is a big issue there. Or sometimes you can just follow the river and be perfectly fine. (laughs) So, yeah, it was kind of like just navigating, like finding where the next where the next trail marker was, because sometimes they're not they're not there. And sometimes you have to look at your map and your compass and you're like, okay, well, where am I now? So it was a pretty slow, slow start, I would say. Okay. Plus road walking and a lot of it's farmland too. So you're kind of just like, uh, I'm going to mentally check out, but my body is just going to continue on walking. So, (laughs) yeah. We're going to do long division in my brain, but we'll just keep, keep moving forward. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But then you took a year off and you're coming back. So it's almost like you have to start over again. Like all of the endurance, the the training, so to speak, physical wise, you have to start over mm-hmm. with. Yep, that's right. Um, so that was pretty hard because Queen Charlotte Track is very much like it's a really nice flat hike with very minimal mountains to climb. And then after two days of you know sunshine, Caribbean type weather, <laughs> like you're thrown into like this really harsh alpine environment where it's cold, it's windy, you're going to have freezing rain sometimes, but you do have those huts to look after. So that was one of like the main driving force where I was like, okay, today fucking sucks, but I also get really excellent views and I have a nice hut to look, look forward to after, I don't know, 17 miles today. And I would imagine that uh, looking forward to a hut is nicer than looking forward to, I have to put up my tent. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not not to say that, like, I didn't set up my tent either. Like, yeah. there were times where I was like, mm, do I want to sleep in this hut? Nah, I like the uh, the campground a little bit too much. And I'm I'm glad that I chose the um, 
the campsite when I did. What was your longest day hiking wise? Longest day. Oh, um, I would say it was starting from, oh God, it was the, so in the South Island, there's two big rivers that you have to either hitch around or you cross the second one or across. I definitely hitched around one and that day started around like seven, six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Cause the first river, they just, I wouldn't recommend crossing that because that's a really sketchy, sketchy river, river crossing. Um, and then you go in, I forget what the trailhead is, um, but it's the start of like the, it's like the two thumb track or something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like the highest point on, on, on TA trail coming from the town of Methvin. And then, so hiking in from there, no, no, it wasn't. Sorry. Um, it was, <laughs> backtrack, oh God. Backtrack. yeah, I have to backtrack. Cause like my brain is just like, no, that happened after you had to walk road, walk this terrible dirt road. That's right. I was hiking from, Oh God, it was like the, there was like a dam, like a, a power plant. It was where I slept inside the toilet pretty much. So that starting from that campsite, <laughs> I had to make it into Methven or into this town to hitchhike into Methvin. Otherwise I would be screwed, screwed with a, without a ride and like left to have to walk like 20 something odd kilometers into Methvin. Um, but it was this resort town that I had to get to. And by the time that I got there, there was nobody around for like the first like oh. three hours. So I'm just like, you know what, if I can't find if I can't find anyone to take me into town, I'm just going to have to roadwalk this entire way. Um, so that day started at 630 because I was like, I got to I got to get to town. I'm going to get a ride and I'm going to get into Methvin because I have a package there waiting for me, like a resupply package. So that day started out like 630 um, and then got into the resort town by like 9, 10 or something like that. And then around like 10 o'clock, there was nobody around nobody around and i tried going to the the hotel there now they were closed for the season so i'm like fuck me <laughs> um so i'm sitting there like with my thumb out like an idiot for like two hours like waiting for somebody to pick me up and i'm just like you know what fuck it let's just walk so i start walking and this post truck passes me and i'm like sticking my thumb out like hey help me out help me out nothing they drive on by and then like another five hours down the road i'm just like i'm just like eating lunch i'm like this is a nobody walk, here a five hour road walk. this is a five-hour road walk so i'm like oh, oh my god <laughs> oh my body hurts i just want to get into town and so like i'm just sitting there eating my lunch and like this truck pulls up he's like hey how you going where, where are you headed i'm like Oh my God, you're the first person to stop. I'm like legit crying because this person like stopped and asked me like where I was going. So I'm like, I'm headed into Methvin. Um, I've been walking all morning and I'm really tired. Blah, blah, blah. You know, like, <laughs> like I, I reached my limit that day. It was like, oh my God, I sound like an absolute just dabbling idiot right now. But yeah, he ended up giving me a hitch into, <laughs> into town. Into <laughs> he felt very sorry for you. Yeah, he's just probably like, and 
sometimes kiwis are like uh they can kind of be like um shit what did i get myself into mm-hmm. like they'll feel guilty like <laughs> um if they like stop like so they're kind of like okay i have to help this person which is <laughs> nice you know yes thank goodness i'm pretty sure my situation didn't make it any easier for him <laughs> it's like oh my god this person's gonna be like I, I can't just leave him on the road crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was probably one of my longer days. Wow. How was hitchhiking for you? Good and bad sometimes. So the worst hitch that I had was when we... Uh, it was right after Arthur's Pass. I needed to get into Greymouth, which is like um, a town on the coast um on the west side of new zealand and i was it was pretty much just like pouring down rain i was you know just hitch sticking you know my thumb out for like a good three four hours and then just one one random beautiful canadian person picked me up and took me into town um but yeah sometimes it's hit and miss with some places because the trail will drop you off in some remote spots or in some of the busiest um, so it's, it really just depends on where you decide to hop off. Did you find that if it was a busy area, a lot of traffic that you were generally getting picked up? Um, yes. Okay. It also having a sign, like I would use the back of my raincoat as like a sign to kind of like <laughs> give the people the option of like, yeah, I'm headed that way or no, I'm sorry. I'm not headed that way. I found worked a lot easier than just having, you know, nothing and having your thumb sticking out. Um, yeah. So, Oh yeah. That's one thing that I learned is like, use your rain jacket as a sign. <laughs> Cause I, I was using a frog tog and I carried a Sharpie with me and pretty much like, ah oh, man, can I send you a picture? I'm going to send you a picture of my jacket. Yeah. I'm I'm picturing right now and you tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I'm picturing your, your, the back of your jacket that says hiker two. And then you basically have the name of a town and then it's crossed out and the name of the next town. It's crossed out the name of the next town crossed (laughs) out. Um, no, (laughs) it's not. I managed to origami the shit out of it so that, each time I wrote a town, I would have like a fresh slate to start with. Um, <laughs> but here, I'll send you. I'll send you. I'll send you the photo. Um, oh, brilliant! Sure. Uh, you'll see like little bits of like square duct tape. That's just holes patched up. All right, it's coming your way. Okay. So, how did the frog tag hold up for you? Fantastic! Oh my god, I would always recommend it to everybody. It's so cheap. It's so cheap, but it's so effective. It's uh, it's unreal, like how 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 reliable this piece of gear is, and it's so freaking cheap. So how did you? I mean, I see the little the little patches, which look like little sparkles of tape. But yeah, <laughs> how did you? Like, uh, it's almost like you have a whiteboard. Oh yeah, how did like how did I? How did you keep changing the whiteboard? Um, so I just folded the jacket over okay. pretty much. Yeah. Pretty brilliant. Yeah. You know, you got to use the most of it because you only have so much space <laughs> to work with. 
I've heard I've heard of people doing like their ground sheets and stuff like that, like riding hiker to town or hiker to trail type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I definitely met a I met one 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 North American hiker. No, there was two of them. I met two North American hikers um who used their Tyvek ground sheet as a um a sign. I was like, Oh, that's actually really brilliant. <laughs> of course I didn't have any <laughs> I didn't have any uh ground sheets at the time, so I was like, Yeah, I'll just use my jacket. Next best thing. What are, what have you changed or what are you going to change heading into the CDT? Gear-wise, I'm going to change my backpack. My shelter setup is now a tarp and bivy. And, you know, with the addition of like a bear bag, bear spray, a little bit more robust shoes, I'm definitely not going to tackle the CDT in sandals because um, I definitely want to be able to hike after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the minor details. Yeah, yeah, you know, knees, what are they anyway? Um, <laughs> so overrated. I know. I know. God, jeez. I'm going with a CCF pad. CCF? For my uh, uh, closed, so- oh, uh, closed, closed cell foam. Yeah, closed okay. foam. Other than that, like, my, my rig is pretty much the same in terms of, like, gear. Uh, I initially started out with like a three season mummy bag, but now I've like upgraded to a quilt. Which quilt? Uh, an EE 10 degree. Okay. Yeah. Have you used it out on kind of test hikes or that kind of thing? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I bought okay. the, the quilt when I was working in Colorado two years ago um, because some of the highs that we would have would go into the thirties when you're on trail crew and when you're in a tent, you definitely want something that's a little bit more warmer <laughs> than the <a> three season, <laughs> three season sleeping bag, which is absolutely just wrecked now. Um, yeah, I put that thing through the ringer. It should be retired. Uh, my sleeping bag, my first sleeping yeah. bag. Yes, it's definitely yeah. definitely retired. It's lost all its loft. <laughs> it's just a sad sack of down feathers now. <laughs> it's almost more a museum piece. Yeah, yeah. It's still stinky. Still stinky. <laughs> Brilliant. But now what are your plans for food wise and, and resupply wise? Resupply wise, I'm going with uh food for the soul. So I'm Ooh. definitely stocked up on um the the dehydrated foods and they are they make some real good stuff, let me tell you. Oh my god. I'm not paid at all by whatsoever by them, nor garage going gear. But I can definitely verify that they make some damn good vegan food, even though I'm not a vegan. You're willing to go vegan for a while? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If it's good food and it's like you can get good calories out of it, hell yeah. I'm, I ain't picky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm opportunity. You're in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're going to go You're gonna go there. Are you? I'm assuming you're carrying a stove with you then? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So actually, I'm curious to try and go stoveless like uh, for New Mexico. Just okay. because of, you know, you're already carrying water enough that you can get away with a cold soak and have your stuff, you know, soaked during the day and have it be warm by the end of the day. Because I'm assuming it's going to be really hot in New Mexico. So it's already cooked. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know how I think it, I think it's Gossamer Gear who had like the um, the fanny pocket where it's like you cook your food in your groin. I, I was thinking of like heard that one yet, but okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
yeah, I don't know if it's like an actual real thing that people do, but I was just like, I may not even go that far with it, you know, like heating it, heating my food with my own body, but I'll definitely like try a cold soak once in a while, you know, because I've never cold soaked before. So it'd be interesting to try it out with some of these meals. I have talked to somebody, I think it was Songbird, but I may be wrong, um, who was talking about body heating something. Now, it wasn't necessarily in her groin, you know, groin, but but she was talking about, you know, going, you know, cold soaking, but but using the body heat to sort of get a little, I guess, semi-warm food. <laughs> yeah. Mmm, <laughs> body heated couscous. I know, Bad right? band it, is what we call it. It's so funny, though, the, the, the ingenious ways in which we will quote unquote cook food. Yep. Um, and or what we will do to save weight. Oh man. It's so funny. Like ultralight backpacking, like I'm probably going to let like lie for this, but like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like one of the more like, um, just like anal retentive hobbies that like people get so heated up over. I'm like, Oh my mm-hmm. God, calm down. <laughs> yeah. This is supposed to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What was one of your more or most difficult times on trail? Um, that was in the North Island. I had gotten sick and was very much like disoriented when I got on trail and I got lost for like a day and a half. I don't know what the hell it was or if it was Noro or if it was like the low key, the flu or something. I don't know. But I was just like puking and like, just vomiting everything up like everything would just come up i couldn't do it so i just had to like stop sit on the side of the road and kind of like rethink my life choices and what did you come up with um i ended up uh staying with this random person if there's if there's one thing that like people should know about the north island like some kiwis could be really really generous very very generous so the day that i was sick and sitting on the side of the road thinking my life over I was pretty much just like walking back and forth because I was so disoriented with like North and South and where I was headed that this lady was like, she stopped over and she's like, are you lost? Like, are you, you don't look all right. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sick and I'm headed to the section of the beach um, to meet up with my friends on the trail because I'm hiking the long trail, blah, blah, blah. She's like, mate, you don't look right. Like you should stop and rest. <laughs> She's like, why don't you, you know, spend the night? Cause it was already like five o'clock by the time, like she came over um, and she saw me and I was like, sure, fine. Like, <laughs> I don't really know what else, uh, you know, what else I can do. I'm kind of like, you know, at the mercy of, of the generosity of this person. So I took her up and pretty much like she didn't nurse me per se, you know, like back to health, but like, I was very much grateful to like have a spot in like an Auckland suburbs and Auckland can be pretty, pretty relentless in terms of like, you know, people being generous and yeah, she let me stay in her yard for like two, three days, just get better. And then like, I was on my way. So the hardest thing was that like, yeah, just being sick on trail and like not knowing, (laughs) not knowing where my friends were and like, you know, just being alone being sick alone sucks. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Just across the board. Yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. And what was one of your most favorite or I guess kind of iconic moments on trail? Uh, um, 
So <laughs> when we started, I think this is post Auckland, we decided to, well, we had to get up early because the, uh, the section of trail that we had to was tidal dependent. Um, and so when it was low tide, it was probably at like five o'clock in the morning. So we got up at like three, decided we weren't gonna, you know, eat breakfast then and there. We would just eat breakfast on trail after we got off. And so we're hiking and I haven't pooped yet. I haven't eaten yet. No, I had eaten, but I haven't pooped yet. And so our next like challenge for the day was like, we had to cross this river section, you know, from you know, along this estuary. And so I'm you know, like, I'm already kind of like, uh, my stomach kind of hurts. Maybe it's about time to go. Hmm, it's not ready yet. Let's just wait. So I'm crossing this river and literally the moment that the water touches my taint, like I had to go instantaneously. <laughs> I was just like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? So I'm like, you know, I have my pack over my head. I have to shit really badly. <laughs> And then, so I'm just like trying to wade through this, like waste these water as fast as I can. It's running pretty quickly. And and then there's like a tree log, like just, just waiting for me with my name on it, like on the other side of the bank, you know? So I'm just like, oh my God, I'm nearly shitting myself, which I kind of was. <laughs> and all the you while, just had to get across. Like just laughing. had to get across. Yeah, I had to, because I was already like halfway in. And I was like, there's no way that I'm, I'm turning back because like there's nothing behind me to like actually like poop around. And I'm like, okay, it's either you poop yourself now or you squeeze a little tighter and you <laughs> run your shit to that log. And so I chose to run my shit towards that log. And the entire time my friends are laughing at me in the back. <laughs> so like, I'm like, I dropped my bag. So the moment I like um, hit the other side of the bank, I dropped my bag, like grab my toilet kit and just book it towards like behind behind this tree log and i just yeah and i go so your your friends are are privy to this entire uh dilemma you're facing yeah they're they're watching the entire time just laughing <laughs> oh geez yeah they're like do you need toilet paper <laughs> it's like thanks <laughs> i got it <laughs> that was pretty good um let's see what else uh oh catching catching um well i'm not catching but like watching wild horses along some of the sections in the north island um during twilight that was pretty fucking magical i'd have to say right after you start at cape ranga your first uh campsite if you want to is called twilight beach and that's maybe like 12, 12 kilometers into the trail. And yeah, like I remember setting up camp, being really sore because, you know, I'm an idiot and overpacked my food. Um, <laughs> and then just watching the sunset with like wild horses running on the beach. And I thought that was the coolest fucking thing ever. Did you know that there were wild horses around there or did that kind of surprise you when they, when they came out to frolic, so to speak? That it totally took me by surprise because I was like, there can't be horses this far up north. Like, no, no. Maybe there might be like wild chickens or something, you know, like chickens that got loose. But horses, nah, <laughs> no. Nah. I'm I'm picturing in my head the iconic vision of uh, horses mainstreaming, tail streaming, running through the twilight, oh. and then 
uh, yeah. chickens <laughs> running through the twilight. <laughs> Just not, not the as same. majestic. <laughs> no. no, no, definitely not. Definitely horses take the cake on that one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Is there anything that we should talk about that we haven't yet? I don't know. Am I boring your <laughs> boring your uh, your listeners now? I, I don't know. Not at all. Uh, I don't know. I would say if you're going to go do any long distance hike, whether that be in NZ or here, give back to the trail when you can. Um, volunteer your time because everyone loves the trail and like it's even it just reinforces the whole idea of giving when you can actually give, you know, part of your, um, if you're, if you're, if you're able-bodied to, um, to, you know, give part of your time and, and your work, um, to building trail. How did you get involved with it? So when I was doing my woofer, I had met these two people, Alex and, um, Oh God, I'm completely blanking on this other person's name, but they were, they used to work with, um, RMYC, Rocky Mountain Youth Corps in Colorado. Um, and they were going to get their, um, woofer certification for leadership training. And they're, uh, you know, I just chatted up with them, you know, decided to make friends with these folks. And they're like, Hey, what are you doing over the summer? <laughs> the one question. <laughs> the leading like, question. Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah, so what are you doing? I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing. They're like, why don't you come out and work with us in Colorado? I was like, what? Like, doing what? Like, building trail. I was just like, oh, okay, that doesn't sound cool at all. And then um, the girl chimes in. She's like, but you get paid to live in a tent six months out of the year doing manual labor, building trail. And when you have days off, you can go anywhere you want. And I was like, hmm. Okay, done. In <laughs> <laughs> that following summer, yeah, I um, became a, a crew leader for um, a trail crew with RMYC. How, and how often have you done it, or how many years have you done it? Um, I've just done it the one season. Okay. Um, and then I've done a, a lot of like just volunteer gigs, like after that. Um, so after I got back from Colorado, um, I decided to kind of like volunteer some time with, uh, state parks, um, got on, on with their, their trail crew as well. Um, so I know some folks there, um, and then just ended up, well, I, I tried applying as well, but like you need to take a test to show that you're competent enough with, you know, manual, manual tools. Um, and I just missed the test. So I was pretty much out of luck for a, um, a trail crew job. So I just, ended up going with um visitor services position for the time being. Yeah. But it sounds like you've kind of fallen in love with it a little bit. Yeah, it was definitely like a whole eye-opening experience like to, you know, the whole trail culture outside of hiking, you know. And I thought that was a pretty cool like insight. How so? Um just like people care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um Cause when you're on trail, sometimes you get this like selfish idea that like, uh, you know, it's just about me what well, kind of has to, cause you kind of have to look out for your own well being. And then, you know, it's like, you kind of take for granted that, you know, who builds these trails are just like these nameless people. And, you know, like it's a privilege and to be able to walk on these trails that like, you know, these folks like literally put their sweat and tears into. And it's kind of like, wow, 
I kind of want to pay that forward as well. You know, I want to be able to say that like, yeah, I built this section of trail. Yeah. My crew built this, you know, this rock check step that's going to stay here for like a few hundred years. And we built that with our own hands. And I just love that idea of, you know, like building something tangible and like seeing it come together slowly, but surely. And knowing that it'll be there. Where can people find you or where should people find you if they want to ask you any questions or follow your continuing adventure on the CDT? Um, they should follow me primarily on my Instagram at legs like springs. So legs like springs. Yes. <laughs> where did that come from? Uh, on Instagram. <laughs> um, completely just, you know, outside of the realm of hiking. Like I used to skate started when I was in high school and we would just meet up with each other and like, we'll, um, stack skateboards on top of each other and like just challenge each other to like hop over, you know, like how many, how many skateboards can you jump over, you know? And I think the max that I was able to do was like three or maybe it was two. It was definitely two. And they were just like, man, you can jump really high on your skateboard. You got like legs, like springs. I was like, Oh, I like the way how all those, that combination of words sound just like the syllables. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, legs like springs. That could make a really cool band name. <laughs> <laughs> it really could, actually. But I was also thinking it was yeah. it's pretty nicely applicable against uh, through hiking, too. True. Yeah. I didn't even think of it until like, yeah, a few years ago. They're like, legs like springs. Is that a trail name? I was like, no, but it would have been a really cool trail name, though. <laughs> Yeah, you I think either way you're you're good on the on the classic trail name. Yeah. <laughs> Some folks were like Caesar is a pretty cool trail name. Like you could just go with Caesar. <laughs> I was like it has to be given. I can't give it to myself. <laughs> or your parents couldn't give it to you or can't give it to you? No. <laughs> nah. Sorry mom, sorry dad. <laughs> when are you starting the CDT? <laughs> April 20th. Why do you laugh? Because <laughs> 420. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. One of those just like stupid novel jokes that I was like, oh, there's a slot on April 20th. I'm going to take that one. You can't resist. Yeah, I'm done like that. <sighs> <laughs> it's one of those like cringy, just like, oh, really? Yeah. What are you looking forward to the most about the CDT? I'm looking forward to see if I'm actually capable of doing this entire thing. It's more so like a personal challenge, like especially this past year, like I've, um, I started therapy. So I'm kind of like unpacking a lot of like personal issues and just kind of like, um, just learning the process at all. Um, and so I just figure, you know, taking with what experience I have, with the skills that I know and just, you know, just challenge myself and hopefully, you know, hike to heal or hike to not heal. Whatever happens, happens, you know, I just have to go with it.
Show notes and links for Caesar's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Caesar for sharing his stories from the trail and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that these conversations, this conversation, inspire you to seek out other people's stories and to share your own. That we all have struggles is a given, but until we share, it can feel very lonely. I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>